All right, well, good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to be back into Romans. Who's with me? Oh, dear six. <laughs> I'm so excited to be back in the book of Romans. Who's with me? Yeah, I'm excited. It's been a while now since we've been in the book of Romans, but we're going to get back into the second half of it. What else will make you cheers? We're having hot dogs after church. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, everybody. Good. Um, so make sure you grab one on the way out uh, this morning. Romans 13 is where you are if you have your Bibles. And uh, if you remember, quite a while back, we did Romans. We did the first half of Romans, talked about like the theological framework or setup for who we are, right? Remember, we're lost. We're on a sinking ship without Jesus. We're in trouble, and we needed a savior, a rescuer, and Jesus came and gave us a new way to live. He infused us with his spirit. He gave us a way to live in victory. And then there's this, I find, a hinging verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2, one of my favorite verses, one a lot of us know. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so in view of everything God has done for you, the fact that he has rescued you and set you free and given you a new life, because of that, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And remember that we talked about how it wasn't living sacrifices. He is talking to the church. We are to be together a united living sacrifice. We are the bride of Christ. We are the family of God. We as one group, Christians, are to be kind of committing ourselves to the Lord. It says this is your true and proper worship. And then he says, don't be conformed to what the world is like, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember that? You guys know it? What Paul is saying here is that you may have come to Jesus. You may have received him as your Savior. You've been infused by the Spirit of God. But you still bring with you, you still bring with you some of the old things you used to think about, the ways you used to think, the way you used to live. You You still kind of, as you walk into your new relationship with Christ, you have Some of that old way of thinking comes with you, right? Not to mention we live in a world that thinks differently than God, right? And so every day we're kind of steeped in the way of thinking that is the world. And so we bring that into our Christian life now. And Paul's kind of saying, like, look out, watch out for the thoughts of your heart, the thoughts of your heart. Make sure you're not just going along with what you think you know or what you used to know or what the world says is popular. Like, be on guard for that. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Remember, be transformed by renewing your mind. That means really putting your mind and heart into seeking after Christ. So the first thing in Romans, so that's Romans 12. That's the background. That's where we're entering into Romans 13 now. And we're going to read something here. The first thing that Paul is going to get into now is some very, 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 very practical things. Something that I feel like we have all thought about a little bit in the last year and a half or so, and that is the whole idea of governing authorities. Dun, dun, dun. Okay? <laughs> so I, part of me when I was looking at Romans was like, oh, I could just skip along. There's nice things in Romans 14. But you know what? We have to go through the Bible and take it all and, and wrestle with the Word of God, right? That is what it's about, being a believer. That is what being a disciple is about. So we're going to look at Romans 13, and I'm going to start off by reading Romans 13, 1 to, that you can go along there, Jake, 1 to 7, I think it is. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, 
for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If you owe uh, revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Should we pray again? (laughs) Anyone feel convicted yet? Um, Man, we have been living in an intense time, haven't we, in the world? And there are so many different opinions about the government. <laughs> so many. And I am not actually here today. I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to convince anyone of anything, okay? I, I'm not interested in spending a lot of time doing that today. But uh, I do feel like we need to be very conscious of the scriptures and understanding that we are called to wrestle with the word of God, to listen to it, to figure out what it means, and to obey it, right? Amen. Take the, you have to take the time to, to really learn what Scripture is saying, asking the Holy Spirit to guide you along the way. And there are so many things that are kind of not black and white that, you know, you can talk to another Christian brother or sister and they have a very different opinion than you. And sometimes you walk away like, whoa, like, this is confusing. I remember uh, before I went to Bible school and my friend Janet, I think she's here, right? Is Janet here? Oh, boo-hoo. Anyway, <laughs> all of her family is here. But my friend I went to OBC with. But I remember when I went to Bible school. And at, before Bible school, like, I thought Christians, like, had a very specific, you know, box that we lived in. And uh, any Christians that, you know, I didn't think Christians did some things in the world. Like, I had a very conservative, narrow view of Christian. Then I went to Bible school, and I met people who, like, were less conservative than I was. And I was like, whoa, like, I i got to think about this. Are you really a believer? You know what I mean? Like, you, you encounter people that think differently than you, and it's kind of like, it's kind of scary. To me, I have to say, when I first was there, I was kind of like, uh, felt a little bit threatened by it almost. But you know what God's been really teaching me lately? Is that this, the stuff in life that is not black and white, that are the little gray areas, and you know, young people, you're going to encounter this all the time, right? The gray areas of what you're hearing and culture and all that, I think it's really a beautiful thing because it pushes me now like to scripture, pushes me to go deeper, to study more, to like be a little more humble in the world and go like, wait, wait I want to I really dive into the word. I really Because you know what? The word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path that leads to whom? Jesus, right? 
This book, it's not about gaining all the knowledge that you can gain. It's not having a whole list of things that you can argue with people about. <laughs> it is to get close to Jesus. That is the whole reason that he has given us. He's a relationship. And so now I feel like when there are things that I kind of feel like are kind of gray, I'm going, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm going to really get into that. I'm going to really dive into that. And that's kind of a newish revelation to me that I'm, I'm very excited about lately. Um, we have to really know the Word of God in order to understand who we are and how we rightly line up with who He is and what the Bible says. Because I do believe also that the Bible teaches us how to live. Amen? Amen. It teaches us how to live. It tells us some hard things. And so we have to go here to understand more and more about who He is. Uh, there's a story in the book of Amos that I just want to mention because it is so good. There was a prophecy that Amos... Um, brought to the children of Israel. The Israelites were God's children. Things were going relatively well for them, okay? They were living in a time of peace and a time of prosperity. But Amos recognized that they weren't really living the way that they should. He said they were selling the righteous for silver and oppressing the poor and taking bribes. And it says they pushed the needy aside at the gate, so even though they were Christ, like good, you know, good believers, they were trying to live their life, things looked good, they were doing all these things that were like not the heart of God. They were missing the heart of Jesus, the heart of God. They were missing the heart of their father, the one they were following. They were pushing the, the needy aside. They weren't really thinking about the poor. They were just off course. Any of us ever off course? Yeah. So Amos, this is what he does. He goes to the Lord and he, he says, God, please relent. Don't judge your people. I know I see it. I see it too. Don't judge your people. I know we're off course. Please reserve your judgment. And the Lord does this beautiful thing. He shows Amos this vision of a plumb line. All right, Renata, plumb line. Do we use plumb lines anymore? Probably not. We probably lose, use lasers or something. But plumb lines are like... You, handy people who are out there, help me out. Um, they are like a, a what is it? They, thank you. Yes. A bobbin, like a weight on the end of a string, right? And it's, it's used as like a vertical line, right? To kind of show you what's true and just, if I remember, if I get this correctly, right? Right? This way? This way? Which way? Okay, thank you. This way. Yeah, this way. Okay. Yeah. I, that's what I was saying, but then other people were saying this way. I was getting very confused. Yeah, so you hold it up, and you can see if you are in line with the, with the, the plumb line, right? Your wall or whatever you're making. You want to make sure it's straight so you can line that up. In the olden times, they didn't have lasers that you took to the cottage <laughs> to use to do whatever. They had this, this plumb line. Yeah, the plumb line. And you guys, so many of you know who it is. Any young people here not ever hear what a plumb line was before? Thank you. Thank you. It's because we're so young, we don't know. <laughs> um, but what a great image that God gave Amos. He was saying, I have given you a plumb line. I'm giving you a plumb line. And the plumb line that we have, brothers and sisters, is Jesus Christ. He is the plumb line. What is your plumb line? When it comes to how you are living your life, what is it that you are measuring yourself beside? Is it, is it scripture? Are you working out your salvation with fear and trembling? You know, God has given us Jesus Christ in this crazy world. How do we know the right way to live in this mixed up place that we walk along in? We line our lives up with the plumb line that is Jesus Christ. 
We look at him, and we look at our lives, and we line them up beside each other, and we can see all the ways that we're off course, right? But we have to get to really know him to know where we're off course. And as we get to know him deeper and further, you see more and more ways that, oh, I thought I was loving, but uh uh-oh, no, I guess (laughs) I'm, I'm a little off course here. I've been reading the book of Proverbs in my my Bible reading, and uh, it talks about wisdom being a treasure that you seek after. And what I love about it, it says you can have wisdom. I will give you wisdom, but you have to seek for it and search after it like a treasure. Um, You know, I was like, yeah, that's right. You know, sometimes I think that wisdom should just fall upon me. I become a Christian and just should fall upon me, you know, I know. Proverbs says, oh, you have to seek after it. You have to search after it. You have to see it as a, as a giant treasure in your life. So I have to say again, if Jesus is the plumb line, the one we measure ourselves beside, it will impact how we live. There are going to be some things that are going to change in our lives. Okay, so the first one that I just read that is quite convicting is be a good citizen in the world. <sighs> And I said, I'm not going to say a lot of comments about what it means to be a good citizen in 2021. But I want to say, in just a, a gentle, just a quick reading through of this passage, right? In normal circumstances, and I think all through Scripture when you read it, God is calling us to be a people of peace. People of peace. The boundaries, I think I like this when I read it through too. One of the things that jumps out to me is the boundaries that God has placed in our lives, like law and order, they're actually in many ways a gift to us, aren't they? Because think about it, back in Romans 1 to 3, we learned that we are evil, that we're born in sin, and we are very dark. And I was imagining what it would be like if tomorrow all the laws, we we just had no laws. They said tomorrow is day off of law. Anyone live whatever way you want. Do you think we'd have a peaceful, loving society tomorrow? No. Just imagine the chaos we would live in. So I think like in, in, a, health, you know, in a healthy system, even though it's not perfect, it has lots of flaws, some of the things God has instituted obviously, obviously benefit us, right? God has set this up for us. And we need to check ourselves if we are people who are just quickly, easily angered and rail against authorities. So we just are like, oh, I don't like it. So and we haven't really struggled or wrestled through why or what the scripture says or how it makes sense to us. Um, you know, to be a, a, to be a person who pays your bills and, and uh, doesn't cheat the system, right? Who respects if a policeman pulls you over because you you know, went too fast to say, okay, yes, I went too fast. Like someone who's just not quick to write off authority. Sometimes I feel like as Christians even, we have this strong way of like not, like we just want to rail against the authority that is above us sometimes. And, And I understand sometimes there's a conflict. To be sure, God is our ultimate authority, right? God is our ultimate authority. There are times in the Bible when God puts a burden on someone's heart, maybe to stand up against injustice, and he calls someone to stand up and, and do something radical. Like Moses, he stood against Pharaoh, right? Or lots of times when people are told not to worship God. And they say, I have to worship God because that's my ultimate authority. That matters. That's my whole life is worshiping God. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They stood up. Um, even Jesus, he walked with a radical difference in the world. And he stood up to authorities and systems of power But also, think of these people that I mentioned and how they lived in the world. Like, think of Jesus. 
what he did, he, he put aside his power, he laid aside his power in order to serve the world. Remember the story of uh, Peter when Jesus was about to be arrested and Peter takes a sword and cuts off the ear of the soldier because he's like, this isn't right, Jesus shouldn't be arrested, this is wrong, chopped off his ear. And Jesus is like, uh, 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 Peter, no, 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 that's not how, that's not how we do things. What, Jesus? Like, let, like, run. <laughs> let someone take care of it. Jesus said, no, no, no. So, so generally speaking, I think if we read through the scriptures, generally speaking, oftentimes, I know, that God is calling us to be a people of peace if we can be. And I was thinking about this beyond that. You know, our heart should always be about how we can bring the gospel of Jesus forward in every situation. That's who we are. That's who we are. Instead of worrying about myself and, and if I'm right or wrong, like I want to be right, so I'm going to hold on to my position and never look back, like all those things that we tend to get, get uptight about. Like, are we walking around going like, is my, my main concern here is the love of Christ and showing that everyone I interact with, that my main, my, my main concern in my whole life is showing the gospel to the, everyone around me, that I want the gospel going forward. So in all the very practical things you deal with the world, again, what is your plumb line? What are you measuring yourself up against? Is your example Jesus? I remember a few years ago, one of the teachers at the Sussex Elementary School said to me, um, he, she said, I, the kids from ACC, she said, I have to say, and she was very gracious, but she said, um, wow, you guys are shaping some really good citizens. That's what she said. You're shaping some really good citizens out there. Thank you. And I was like, whoa, like that, I love that. And she, she said, I appreciate them so much. You know, they're kind, they're respectful, they respect authority, they seem to help other people, and there's some joy there. And I thought, man, that is so cool for her to say. Now, look, this is not to say we're perfect, or our young people are perfect, but they're pretty amazing. They're pretty amazing, right? Yes, adults are pretty amazing, yes. <laughs> our kids are pretty amazing, I have to say. But one of the beautiful things that this teacher was trying to get across to me was, you know, there's something that stands out when a young person is like acting like a good citizen <laughs> who wants to serve and wants to love and wants to care and wants to be respectful. There's another verse that has always challenged me, 1 Peter 2, live such good lives among the pagans. In other words, among the unbelievers. Live such good lives among the unbelievers that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds, and they will glorify God on the day he visits us. You know, if you're home later on and you have some time, First Peter 2, keep reading that whole chapter that completely goes along with what it says here in Romans 13. As a congregation, as a people here, if people look at us, do they say, whoa, like there's something different about them in the way that they live? This is my prayer for us as a church, that we would be a people that live such good lives, that though people will look at us and not quite understand and not really agree, that when Jesus returns one day, they'll go, oh, like, I, I actually did see their good things, good deeds. Like, I see that they were, they, they had some different plumb line. There's something different they were measuring their lives against. So that's the first thing, like, be a good citizen. Phew, made it through. <laughs> and like, as I said, that, that scripture is one for us all to wrestle with, and as a church to gather and wrestle with. Number two, love, love, love. Love will become our new way of life if we're 
citizens of the kingdom, if we're people who have given ourselves to God, this is the thing that we are supposed to focus on. Let's read verse 8 to 10. Love must be sincere. Oh, no, that's 13. Well, same thing. Uh, Number 8, there are 13. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Love God passionately. Love others passionately. And I love how he says this, you know, Sometimes I think Christians, we get become believers and we're so focused on not doing this and not doing that. Like, make sure or don't do that. And I love how Paul is saying, man, like, focus on love. Like, love other people. Like, love God, love others. If you're loving other people, you're not going to have an affair. You're not going to, like, take someone else's sp- sleep with someone else's spouse, right, if you're loving others. If you're loving others really well, well, what other things? You're not going to, like, look for, you're not going to covet what other people have because you're going to be happy for them. What other things here, you know? You're, you might probably want to gossip about other people if you're loving people all the time, right? And I was thinking about this, you know, wouldn't it be incredible if tomorrow the whole world woke up and said, like, how can I live a life of love today? Today my whole goal and aim is going to be loving people, not myself, I'm going to always prefer other people. I'm going to love others. What if just believers, if all us believers woke up and did that tomorrow, focused on that? And uh, then I, you know, make it even smaller. What if just all of us ACCers, you know, lived this way? Like, don't focus on doing all, like, what I'm not doing. Let's wake up tomorrow and focus on love, love, love. I think it would do away with a lot of issues, wouldn't it? Yeah. Remember, guys, like, this is who we are. This is who we are. This is who we measure ourselves against, Jesus, whose greatest love was to walk toward the cross for you and for me, to be willing to take all the pain and all the hurt of the world on himself, to walk towards the cross even though he didn't deserve it, all for love. And so that is our example. Finally, verses 11 to 14. Do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. He's talking to believers here, right? Yes. And he is telling them to wake up. (laughs) Don't live life without thinking about it. You have chosen Jesus, yes. Your salvation is assured, amen. But you're asleep. Wake up. Let's read this in the message. Make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. So be up and awake 
to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. I have a funny video that I saw on Facebook last week, and I thought I'd give it, show it to you just as a little example of what happens, I think, in my house sometimes. And as I was reading this scripture, it kind of brought it right to mind. So see if we can get this to work, Jacob. Um, but I, it's, it's a funny one. But it reminds, you know, the, seer, the, the, the funny thing is, though, don't we live like that sometimes? We're kind of waiting around until, you know, we're kind of just think, not really thinking about why, how we live. We're just, like, playing video games and watching TV, maybe, all the things that we do. And the seriousness of this is that we don't want to be a people who just, like, scramble at the end, like getting ready to clean up at the end, you know. Bible says that we don't know the time or the hour that Jesus is going to return, but he is coming back. Amen? Amen? He's coming back. Don't be so busy living your full, busy life that you doze off and you miss the whole point of things. Don't forget who we are, church. I love here, verse 13, he says, you know, don't be carousing and drunk in the daytime. Okay, check. All right, I'm not that. You know, don't, don't be, in, don't be uh, immoral and, and, and involved in sexual immorality. Okay, check. And then he says, don't be like, don't be like uh, jealous of each other and don't be like <laughs> Right? You know, you say, Paul, that seems like in a whole lesser category. And, you're, you know, that seems like we're all like that, you know. Paul says, get rid of all the selfishness that you carry around with you in all the cases of your life, in the way that you treat government, and the way that you love other people. Like, get up, get ready, be prepared. You know, there's so many verses that say don't be selfish and don't have vain conceit. Don't think about yourself too much. It says, in, in this passage, it says, put on Christ Jesus. Wake up and put on the Lord Christ. The new um, King James Version says, verse 14, let's look at that really quickly. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I don't know about you guys, but I love exotic animals. Like, I love watching the people who, like, raise tigers. <laughs> and they get this little tiger cub, and they love it, and they bottle feed it, and they, like, dress it in some cases, put little clothes on it and stuff. And they, then, they, then they feed them the wild meat. Like, they get, well, I don't know what, what kind of, like, other meat they give it, but they give fresh meat to these exotic animals. And then they're shocked when the exotic animal attacks them. They're like, oh, my goodness, that you see them on the news. Well, I would never have dreamed this 500-pound tiger, whatever, I don't know how many big tigers are, but this gigantic tiger, I would never have dreamed that he would, you know, attack me. How crazy is that? And the reporter's like, uh-huh. Because, you know, it's not normal. If you have an exotic animal, a wild animal, and you think you can baby it and stuff, like, be, be, don't be, you know, that's kind of an unwise thing to do because they're going to attack. <laughs> and, you know, when you think about that, think about how we treat sin. Think about how we treat sin. Don't play with it. Don't make any provision for the flesh to do what it wants to do. So be brutal when it comes to sin in your life, brothers and sisters. This is not to harm you. This is to, to help you, 
to bring you peace. He says, 1 Corinthians says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So dress yourself in him and wait for his return. Every day on earth that we have is another day we can grow closer to Jesus. Every day is a day we can wake up and worship him and magnify him with our lives and push the gospel forward. Every day we have, we can live a life of love, be light bearers in the world. This is who we are. We look at the plumb line who is Jesus Christ and we line our lives up with him in in the very, very practical ways that we live. You know, I'm excited that we get to do this together as a church. I am. And and visitors who are here, you're also a big part of the Big C Church if you're a believer, right? But I'm excited that we, as this little local body, we get to do this as a church, right? We're heading into a new season. COVID restrictions are lifting. Praise the Lord. We're praying for a new lead pastor. Praise God. That's exciting. God is shifting us and changing us. There are things we need to figure out, right? There's all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of things we have to figure out. But I was really convicted this week, you know, we better not be just waiting for everything to settle out before we, like, be like the church. <laughs> We're called right now to grow together, learn together, to push forward together. We're, we're called to have that white-hot passion of the things that we know God has already called us to, Right? He spelled it out. (laughs) It is not hard to know what God has for us as a body. So we can all come together even in the waiting. And it's the same thing in your personal life. You know, it's easy to just say, well, when I get this job, I'll be able to glorify God better. Or when I get this part of my life figured out, oh, I'll glorify God then. But what this passage is saying, like, man, the hour is here. It's closer now than when you first became a believer that Jesus is returning. So wake up. Wake up. Believers, wake up. This is who we are. We are clothed in Christ. And that's what I finish with, you guys. We need Jesus. We need to put Christ on. We are clothed in him. His heart is to transform us, to knit us together as a church family and deep unity, right? To to give us a white-hot vision of the call he has put on our lives as a church to make us a beautiful example of love in the world. Amen? Amen. And I'm excited about all the ways he wants to change us and, and, and is doing it even now. In church, I see beautiful things. Like, like, like Sally has said, we've got, God is moving. God is, but like, let's not sleep at the wheel here. Like, let's keep moving and not wait. Like, sometimes I think we wait, like, well, when COVID is all over, you know, then we can really reach out in the community. No, no. No, he has a call for us today. And he has something for me to do later today and calls you to do something later today. And I was thinking, man, if all of us were just using the gifts God has given us in our body, Big C Church, like if God calls you to call this person and he calls you to serve this person, like what a beautiful picture of who he is calling us to be as a church. So I'm, I'm excited, and I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about this push to go deeper in the word, this call to, like, seek after wisdom. I'm excited about the pockets of people that I hear who have really done this, even, even through COVID, are really pushing into the Lord and really wanting to serve him and learn about him in the word and spending way more time in the word. We need him more than ever. <laughs> we need him. And he is quick 
to come and give us his life. So I want to do something a little different today as we finish up. I'm going to invite us to stand, and I want us to read Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's going to be on the screen, like, over each other, like to read it as like a, a prayer together over this body. And then I'm going to ask Murray to come on up, and he's going to just pray over the church and pray for some of these things. But uh, let's all stand together, and uh, let's read this out together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen.